Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're so thankful to have this opportunity to be with you and all of those who are listening to these Bible studies on a regular basis, not just through the Omaha area, but also all through the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to have this means and opportunity and ability to present these programs, these Bible studies on such a widespread basis. You know, God works behind the scenes in ways that we do not always realize. And in some cases, it's in ways that we don't even think about. And yet we have this amazing, this amazing ability through technology of the internet to be able to spread God's word so much easier on so much more of a widespread basis than we ever have had the opportunity and the ability to do any time in the history of mankind. And we're thankful that we can take advantage of this opportunity and try to present God's word in, an, in a consistent and easy to understand fashion. Now, if you're studying along with us, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You know people in your life, probably some within your own family, who need to get into God's word. They need to start paying attention to their spiritual lives, to their souls, to eternity, because it's coming. You can share these studies easily through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, but make up your mind and do that. We encourage you to share with, the, with everybody you can on a regular basis, with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody ultimately get to heaven, and that'll be a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. Also encourage everybody, and take advantage of this opportunity yourself if you've not yet done so, go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. Now, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. So there is no charge. It is free. It always will be free. When you sign up for our podcasting, you'll automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons. And those sermons are now, if you go to our website, they're available, or to, you, to our YouTube page, they're available on video format as well as audio format. Now, but you'll also receive a really great daily, seven-day-a-week, short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day called Today's Bible Class. And you'll receive a Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. All of that is there, and again, it is always free. While at our website, you can access literally hundreds of sermons on audio and many on, for, on, on video now. You can also access literally hundreds of articles that are scripturally based and spiritually focused. All of that is free. Tremendous Bible study resource materials right there for you, and it's all free. We encourage you to take advantage of that and encourage everybody else you can to do so as well. We're going to finish up the last few verses of 1 Peter chapter 5 now and launch right into 2 Peter. This has been a great study. I know it's been a great study for me, and I pray that it has been for you. Peter's letter here, 1 Peter, is so rich in instruction to the individual Christian. 
I have compared it to the book of James or James's letter that again is so focused on the individual Christian life, just like Peter's. Now, of course, when you understand that the church is the people, not the steeple, it's not the church building, it's the members of the church, the individual Christians who make up the church. Well, then you understand that the instructions in both James and 1 Peter, well, they, they apply to the church as well, because the people, the individual Christians, they are the church. But what great, great instruction helps us to live our personal Christian life on a daily basis effectively and faithfully before our God and before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this fifth chapter, the closing chapter of 1 Peter, we spent considerable time talking about God's design for church leadership, and that is elders. Elders, those are the only, elders are the only biblically guided and instructed position or structure of leadership within the individual congregations of the Lord's church. If you don't have elders within a congregation of the Lord's church, then that congregation is not yet fully complete in its design as God designed it to be. And I think that's partly to a great extent, why Paul told Titus in Titus chapter 1 to set in order the things that were lacking in the congregations throughout the island of Crete, and the specific thing that he mentioned was appoint elders in every congregation. Well, we talked about that. We talked about the position of elders. We talked about the responsibilities of elders in at least a threefold way. We also then looked at Jesus Christ as being the chief shepherd and that is one of the words that applies to the position of, el of elder within a congregation of the Lord's Church, and that is shepherd. The idea of the shepherd being among the flock and taking care of the flock and watching over the flock and knowing intimately the flock. And then we, well, Jesus again being the chief shepherd, and so he watches over the church as a whole and uh, He's going to be the one then in verse 4 of chapter 5, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Well, it's similar to Revelation 2 and verse 10, where Jesus said, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Well, again, the crown of life, eternal salvation, eternal life in, in, in heaven. And we see that also in Hebrews chapter 12, the first few verses where the Hebrews writer talks about our lives as Christians through this physical existence is like running a race. But there at the finish line is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with the reward, the crown of life. Well, then we also looked at how we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Well, well back in verse 5, it talks about the younger people submitting to your elders and we talked about the two-fold possibility there of understanding the application there. One being, you respect your elders within the congregation, uh, those leaders who have been appointed to watch out for your souls. And the other one simply being, you respect the older people among you. Respect them, and especially those within the Lord's church. And then beginning in verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And so we need to have that, 
that attitude, that mindset, that spiritual posture of humility or humbleness before our Heavenly Father, and let Him be the one who exalts us. Don't, don't seek self-glory for ourselves, and, and don't try to put ourselves up in positions of, of admiration and calling undue attention to ourselves on an ongoing basis. No, just simply, humbly serve God. Live the life of the faithful, dedicated Christian, and let God be the one who exalts us. Cast all of our care upon him, for he cares for us. God is there for us. He wants to watch over us and help us all along the way and take care of us. Then in verses 8 and 9, Peter really addresses a just central, a central point or aspect of our faith in God and in Christ. When he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is our gravest enemy, our most destructive potentially enemy, and he wants to destroy us spiritually. He wants to bring us away from God and lead us to eternal condemnation in hell. And so, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, be on guard, be watchful all the time, be careful. And then he gives us the answer as to how to resist the devil effectively and consistently. He says, resist him steadfast in the faith. The faith is God's word. The faith is that on which our personal faith is based. And when he says, resist him steadfast in the faith, what he's really saying there is, you stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful to God through his teachings, through Jesus Christ, through the gospel. And when we resist the devil steadfast in the faith, living our lives guided by God's word, then we're going to be victorious, not by our own power, but by God's power over all that the devil might throw at us. Remember those, that listing of those pieces of the Christian armor in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through the first part of 18. God provides all of those for us so that we can be successful in resisting all of the challenges, all of the difficulties, all of the temptations that the devil might throw at us, might use against us. And a lot of those will simply be matters that we face in this life. Death of a loved one, difficulties within a marriage relationship, uh, hatred from somebody toward us. I mean, it, it could go on and on. Violence, all kinds of things. Illness, sickness. But God has given us the, the Christian armor. All of those implements there with which if we gird them, gird ourselves with them consistently, we can defeat the devil. We can stay true to God. And then verse 10, may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus after you've suffered a while. Now we're going to do some suffering in this world. It's part of living in this world, physical existence. Then he says, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. If we will just hang in there, those are very encouraging promises that God will take care of us in these spiritual ways, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul goes into 
uh, listing of um, some of his co-workers and brothers and sisters in Christ. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that, as, that, that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, and perhaps talking about a congregation and of the Lord's church there, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Well, this would be the equivalent or the parallel, basically, of Romans 16, 16, when he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. What a great letter again, and how encouraging it it is to us as we learn those individual instructions about living the Christian life on a personal basis. Now, 2 Peter, we're going to move right into that. 2 Peter, and we're going to find again a great deal of personal instruction to the individual Christian. That's you and me. If, we're, if we truly are New Testament Christians. Paul, Peter begins by saying, and he introduces himself right off the bat. You know, when you look at the letters in the New Testament, they are kind of backward <laughs> to some degree as far as the address is concerned and the salutation is concerned. You know, we wait to sign our letters at the end of a letter. The letters in the New Testament begin with the identity of the person writing the letter. So right off the bat, Peter identifies himself as the penman or the writer of this letter. Now, God is the author because Peter and all of the New Testament writers simply wrote what God guided them to write through the Holy Spirit. Guided them to write that. In the first chapter here of 2 Peter, verse 20, Peter brings this out, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the writers of the New Testament books, they were guided to write what they wrote by God through the Holy Spirit so that they would get it correct. And this is parallel to what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Peter 3 and verse 16, when he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That, that phrase means literally, all scripture is God-breathed. Now, boiling it down, God's very word. So the writers, the penmen, they simply wrote what God was guiding them to write through the Holy Spirit. So Peter says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. We don't like that term bondservant in our culture today, and I understand why we don't. But from a spiritual perspective, as a Christian, Oh, it is so descriptive and so appropriate. If you boil it all down to its most basic level, Peter's simply identifying himself as a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, see, when we understand it in that 
fundamental way, we don't like that word slave. We don't like that concept. But we're not talking about a slave in physical life. We're not talking about being a bondservant in physical life. We're talking about from a spiritual perspective. We have, we have dedicated and committed our lives to God through Jesus Christ. We are God's servant. We are Christ's servant if we're true Christians. That's not a demeaning identity at all. In fact, oh my, it's an uplifted identity. It's one where we say, I know my master. And it's not that he is overbearing toward me. It's not that he, he disrespects me or belittles me or treats me in a mean way. No, no, no. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me so much that my Lord went to the cross and died for me. My heavenly Father loves me so much that he sent his own Son to that cross to die for me while I was still a sinner. Romans 5 and verse 8. Oh, that's the love of God. So it's not what we normally think of as a master or owner versus slave association as we have seen that play out and still being played out in different countries around the world and throughout history, even in our own land. Now, thankfully, we've put that out of our moral conscience in our nation, but it still goes on in other lands around the world. But we're talking about on a spiritual plane. We are bondservants. If we're true Christians and we're faithful and dedicated Christians, then we are bondservants of Jesus Christ. Peter identifies himself openly, immediately, in such a way. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now think about that dual identity that he expresses there. Bondservant and apostle. As a divinely appointed apostle of Jesus Christ, Peter was endowed through the Holy Spirit with the ability to perform miracles, to perform miracles, and also the ability to pass on miraculous gifts to other Christians. All you have to do is go back to Acts chapter 8 and read about that, the city of Samaria. Now, that was for a purpose and for a time, and I believe the Apostle Paul brings out in, in the second in the closing verses of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that the purpose was soon to be fulfilled after he wrote that letter, and therefore the time would also have been fulfilled. So Peter's not saying, I'm some lowly slave living in destitution, living in squalor, mistreated, beaten by my master, over and over. That's not the kind of slave or bondservant he's describing himself as being. He willingly surrendered his life to his Lord. But also, he was an apostle 
with great authority as a follower of Christ. Remember in, in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus told him, I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, your confession of faith, upon this rock, your confession of faith, I will build my church. Not upon Peter, but upon the faith in Christ that Peter expressed. And it wasn't just Peter's faith. That was simply the faith in Christ that Peter was personally expressing. And then Jesus went on in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 16, and he said, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, we also need to understand the proper interpretation of that particular statement from our Lord. He's not telling Peter, you can make rules. You can decide what's going to be bound on earth and bound in heaven. No, no. Whatever has, the understanding is, I believe, the correct understanding is, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And you're binding on earth through your teaching of, the, of my gospel as guidance from God. That's what, and that's part of what Second Peter is about. Peter is simply communicating the will of God through this letter as he writes down scripture, guided to do so by God through the Holy Spirit. Now, to whom is this letter addressed? To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, who is that? All true Christians. All true Christians. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us, with the apostles, with all other true Christians, by the righteousness of, God, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like precious faith. How do people come to faith again? We say it all the time, don't we, in these podcasts. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. That's how faith develops within an individual. As he gets into God's word, learns it, understands it, and then makes the proper applications to his personal life. That's the development of personal faith. That faith on that personal level comes from the teachings of the faith, the word of God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The Apostle Paul frequently used those terms in the openings of his letters, grace and peace. We see in those two words a greeting or an encouragement from the Greek perspective coupled with the same thing from the Hebrew perspective or the Jewish perspective. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There is tremendous comfort in knowing God through Jesus Christ. There is no other approach to God except through Jesus. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, there's great comfort 
there's great peace and we understand that we're only saved by God's grace, but it is through our faith. So we're not inactive in that process of coming to salvation. We have to develop the proper faith, which is going to be obedient faith. That's our part. The salvation by grace, Ephesians 2 and verse 8, that's God's part. We can't save ourselves. Only God can save us, and that through Jesus Christ. But we must have the faith. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, not just to have a smattering of it, not just a little sample of it, but let it be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What a great statement. What a great statement. And what comfort we can take in words such as this and encouragement and instruction and promises such as this that are written to the faithful Christian. Now, they also should be understood as being written in promise to the non-Christian as pertaining to his becoming a Christian. You see, there's a whole lot of people, they want all the blessings of Christianity without having to become a Christian. Or maybe they want all the blessings of Christianity without having to really live the Christian life faithfully and consistently. Well, that mentality will not work. We're going to stop here, and we're going to pick up and then move on next time. And we'll look back beginning with verse 2 and start moving forward through chapter 1 of Second Peter. I do pray, and I really do pray about these studies. I pray, Father, that, or I pray, listener, that they are helping you grow in your knowledge and in the grace of God, the knowledge of his word, his will for your life, and his grace. I do pray that they're helping you in your faith grow stronger and stronger and more and more dedicated to God through Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the richness that you have had those writers lay out for us as being your will for our lives. But your will for our lives so that we can enjoy all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places as we live our lives in Christ. And that we can look forward to that ultimate fulfillment of an eternal home with you in heaven. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for blessing us so much to give us your word to guide us through this physical life so that we can look forward to eternal life with you. Help people open their eyes and see that that's where real peace and hope and ultimate victory lies with you through Christ. We pray this, Father, and we pray for our forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.